0: Hey gang, on this episode I spliced in a lot of clips of songs, and it took a really fucking long time. So I decided to only splice in the bad ones, so that you only had to hear like 30 seconds at most of them, while I had to listen to like all three minutes of these terrible songs. But anyway, what you should do if you want to hear the good songs that we talk about, go to cageclub.me, find this episode, we put together a Spotify playlist, the five cover songs that Nico talks about, five cover songs that I decided to add to the list and then like just five all-time great covers that everyone kind of knows. Check it out. Don't let all the pain that Nico and I inflicted on ourselves go to waste. All right, on with the show. Now and again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcasting Network for all things Cage, Keanu and more. Head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. Welcome back to Now and Again, a podcast about mixtapes and memories, and uh, we've got a little bit of both today with me, as always. I mean, uh, do I even need to introduce you anymore? It's just Nico's here, because Nico's always here. Hey, what's up, buddy? Hi, I actually live in this algorithm. Let's, let's very briefly touch on this now, because I don't know if it will come up naturally throughout the show, but this is part of the uh, now, quote-unquote, aspect of the new format. And this was influenced by a track that dropped maybe, like, three weeks ago, which was Taylor Swift's cover of September.
1: It
0: made me sad, Panda. It's one of the worst things. I'm not just talking about music. I'm talking about, like... In the world, like crusades, um, the polar ice caps melting, Taylor Swift covering September, uh, like it's not—it's almost not worth talking about on this episode because it's so bad. But this is how we got this episode about covers. Well, and to that I do want to say I—I I agree. It is profoundly boring. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about covers today, and this—this this might be a long one. Uh, we're going to try to keep it moving pretty quickly, but I have no idea how realistic that is because covers. Are all around us. I think we grew up in a time where, like, the cover song was, like, every band was trying to put out a cover song, kind of, and get some hits off of it. And cover songs are a little bit different now, and we'll get into that and how um, popular culture is using them. But they're everywhere, and we we played in bands, so like we've we've cover stuff all the time. We learn you learn how to play music by covering stuff. It's na- it's natural. I know that you love to throw up some. Um, quick little covers up on your Instagram quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I think the the 15 to 30 second cover is pretty cool. I have a lot of feelings about covers. I think one of the things we Okay. I think people should be as discerning with musical covers as they are with uh, bringing back TV shows. If you don't think that we bring back too many TV shows, just turn on your fucking TV. I think we bring back too many songs. I think some songs are perfect and don't need to be covered. I think some people... I think some songs are just being covered because people want to put their name on nice things. Like, I just... I think it's... You need to either bring something to a cover that's really unique, really special, or you need to be... Bringing the cover to a new generation because it's a song that wasn't respected during its time. But I think a cover needs to serve a purpose uh, yeah. because you are still monetizing someone else's art and you are still taking millions of dollars to create something. And I think we need to put more thoughts into our covers. Uh, you know, whatever you want to say about sampling, sampling is different, extrapolating is different,
0: um, mashups are very different. Right, so That's all stuff that, yeah, we're not gonna that's That's stuff for a different time Covers are a very specific thing It's just a matter of how that cover Kind of comes to be And what it says, like you said And I'm gonna jump right into the Kind of my rules of a good cover song And the first one, I think the most important one Kind of what you hit on already I call it the Jeff Goldblum rule You know, you're so concerned with Whether or not you could That you never stop to think whether or not you should
1: yeah, no, yeah, that's that's totally that's it's a really good thing. Um, I don't want to talk too. I I've really worked hard to thematically create this episode, uh, in a in like a really cool fashion uh, and the way I express myself. So I want to give too many of my points away, and I'm trying not to okay. touch too hard on what we've already talked about. But um, I I actually so shout out to a super cool dude named Matt. He's one of the coolest dudes I have ever had the pleasure of meeting through a Comic-Con. He uh, has the most amazing Mark Wade Daredevil cosplay you've ever seen. Um, no, really, it's, it's tremendous. Uh, and he's a, an amazingly cool guy. And he listens to the show. And he talks to me about it. And he's, he's the best. Um, and I feel
0: oh, like he's, he, the awesome. he's the guy. He's the one
1: listener, right? Um, he has responded to me about the show and I feel like he is someone who has gotten to know me better through this show than in person because we live so far apart and I just so Matt sometimes when I talk about how I'm super neurotic and I'm super about the presentation of my feelings this is an example of that (laughs) because I do realize you've been getting in you've been getting to know me better through this show and I think that's a fascinating statement uh I when we started this project, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be. I'm going to say some shit. I never wanted to do this. I actually was like, oh my god, I think podcasting is for like those kind of people. But okay. I was like, wow. uh, who wants the to truth listen? coming out. Truth bomb. I'm like, who wants to listen to like commentaries without something more interesting visually on? And so before I started doing this, I listened to some podcasts, and I was like. Okay, I don't understand why I immediately assumed that there was something wrong with the idea of listening to like I I didn't make the logical jump from radio program to to podcast. I can't yeah. explain it. So <laughs> then I'm like, okay, now I'm interested in doing this. We did the first episode, and I'm really doing it because I'm super excited to spend time with you. And during the four and a half hour recording process on the first episode, it was so long, I came to realise how much I loved doing this and this experiment, uh, because I do refer to it as a podcast experiment. Oh yeah. Has unraveled a million times over. And I do think one of the most interesting things is the number of my friends who have responded back to me about content in the podcast. That's been oh, that's, awesome. that's been really interesting. The way that my friends have gotten to know
0: me through this. There's a there's a really funny I think it, picture on Twitter. Of, uh, it's like that feeling when you're listening to a podcast you love. And it's just like a picture of like two women laughing and then another guy who's not in the picture, like eating a bowl of ice cream and laughing with them. And that is really the feeling of a podcast sometimes. It's like you feel like this is a conversation. The best podcast, I feel like. It's like conversations that you could be having with your friends, but maybe you don't have any friends to fill that dumb niche. And so, um, you know, you have... These these two gals who talk about murders or uh, people who talk about bad movies and stuff like that and uh, I don't know yeah I I like the medium I think it's an important medium I think with with things like um, with things like serial and shit town and uh, new there will be more new ways of approaching the medium which I think is going to be really interesting in the future
1: I completely agree I and I do I do agree with you that I think um, it is an important medium I do I think. I think my initial resistance to it was, I sometimes, essentially all all these episodes are you and I talking the way we would normally talk um, when we were 17 on Instant Messenger. And so sometimes, I think this is just one away message away from being masturbating onto a microphone.
0: Uh, Sir, please do not kink shame me.
1: I, you know, no, I, look, I would like to remind you all, we are the people who broke P&J Adelgate, and we do not kink shame here, so, you know, I really think we need a meme database at this point, <laughs> and uh, yeah. anyway, so I'm really excited, I'm really excited about my presentation, I really thought about it, I put it all together, it's really nice, it's really good, and it brings together cool. a lot of things I've mentioned throughout the series, uh, because I think continuity is really important.
0: Yeah, we we do need to be more popular so someone could make and organize a wikia about this show and all the stupid characters we've invented. Um, So after the Jeff Goldblum rule, and we'll move through these pretty quickly to talk about stuff that breaks the rules, or maybe in your case fulfills them really well. After the Jeff Goldblum rule, I want a cover song that is familiar and recognizable, but different and unique. A chord-for-chord cover with all the same instruments, kind of worthless, but like a chip tunes cover of like all along the watchtower is probably like not necessary, <laughs> you know. So like it's got to be familiar, but not so familiar that it's just a cut and paste with a different voice. Uh,
1: you know, I I'm not sure. I, did you need a chipmunk version?
0: <laughs> that no, I I would I would prefer that in most of the time. Uh, chip tunes. It's like when you. Uh, you cover a song using, like, the beeps and the boops that would appear um, in, like, an NES or a Genesis. That sounds terrible. It's, it's a thing, and there's... I think it's cool when people make, like, soundtracks to, like, video games that never existed because, like, some NES music, like the Mega Man soundtrack, uh, there's, like, really good, interesting 8-bit limited music there. Um, but, like, yeah, I don't... I, I'm sure there's, like, covers of real songs in that genre. It's just... I, I don't know why.
1: Yeah, neither do I. There's whole genres of music I don't understand. And I mean that very honestly. There are literally whole genres of music I don't understand.
0: Finally, last rule. And this isn't a hard and fast rule, but more of a suggestion. I think the natural habitat and the best place for a cover to thrive is at a live performance. And the reason for that is it's a bunch of like-minded people who are probably already riled up a little bit. Um, and very excited, and people are more forgiving of live performance, and there's no time to analyze it and think too heavy uh, about how terrible it is. I feel like if uh, there was a video of Jessica Simpson covering um, Berlin, see our previous episode, where I lost my mind, uh, that was just like a disposable YouTube video, like someone recorded it on a live show, I think I I wouldn't have had an aneurysm over it. But the fact that I could listen to it over and over again and pick out every little flaw broke me. So I think the best... And I'm not saying every cover song needs to be live only. Don't record them. But I think live or a B-side of, like, a a different song is maybe the best place for them. I don't trust bands that throw a cover on their regular album most of the time.
1: Um, I... I don't agree.
0: I think a cover on your regular album is okay. Just one cover. I, I... I tend to hesitate when it's like, there's something very cynical, and we'll get into this, this will carry over to our next segment. Um, there's something very cynical about a cover being like the lead single off of your album, to me.
1: Oh, yeah, no, that's never acceptable.
0: Yeah, so like your, your Ataris, uh, you, you can, or your Smooth, uh, who the fuck sings Smooth Criminal? Alien and Farms. Uh, that shame. wasn't their lead, that you. was
1: not their lead single.
0: What was, what was movies? Yeah.
1: It just wasn't good.
0: I see, Yeah, I, I, there's still something... Even I'll, I'll go as far as just say a single released off of an album. I find something very cynical about that.
1: Well, I mean, there are certain covers that reinvent the song. The, the covers that reinvent the song
0: win out. Of course. I mean, we don't... We're not going to talk about the best of all time on this episode, but, like, you know, there's discussion to be had of... I Will Always Love You, all Along the Watchtower. Killing Me Softly. Um, songs like that. That's just like some people torn by Alan Brew. Like people don't even know that those are like, it's just the new one has become the canon.
1: Right. Okay. How are we handling this? Tell me.
0: Well, I want to, so I would like to, let's go into, I've been doing some research and I asked people on Twitter and Facebook and uh, via email, like, What are your favorite and least favorite cover songs? And I got a pretty eclectic mix, and thank you if you're listening to this and sent something in. We're not going to go piece by piece, but I came up with the five kinds of bad cover song Because we kind of talked about what I think are the rules of, like, a good cover song. Um, And now I kind of want to talk about these five genres that it's very easy to make a cover in these, and it's very uh, easy to fuck it up real bad. And these be just the kind of the worst ways to do a cover song and a lot of what I was given kind of fell into this, but, you know, we'll we'll talk about it. Um, These, I guess I would call these the quote-unquote viral covers um, because it's the kind of cover that people, it gets spread around, people listen to it, and then if you go back to it a little bit later, it's like, ooh, this is not good. Um, So to start off with, the first first grouping, get this right out of the way, is like that Richard Cheese kind of irony cover. (sighs) Yeah, I don't want tongue-in-cheek... Oh, look, we're a bunch of dudes covering a song by um like a girl band. Like, I don't want that irony. I want my cover to celebrate the original song at least a little bit. Um it can be like a guy covering a girl song or whatever. Like that I don't think that should be like part of irony. Um also changing pronouns I think is really stupid as well. But I don't want like someone to be like, I guess the best example from the Richard Cheese discography is like his cover of Nirvana's Rape Me. I'll rape me. Rape me again. Everybody! It's missing a lot of points, and it's just not very good.
1: I think one of the things about the ironic cover is it's lovely, it's fun, it's a different take on the same thing that, you know, anybody can recreate art for any purpose. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, of course. You know, if what you want to do is decontextualize the art and make it humorous or just make it ironic that your your context for the art is, isn't the same context, you know what I mean? If that's what you're trying to do, great. But that's a different thing than than trying to put your your meaning on the song. If your method of putting meaning on the song is to
0: decontextualize the song and take away – you know what I'm trying to say? Like, It comes off as arrogant. Like they're above not only the song but the artist as well. And who the fuck are you? Right? So yeah, that that's an easy one. We can throw that out the window. But from there, since I was talking about that kind of Richard Cheese doing, like, the lounge covers, I also want to go with a... I guess what I, I would call this just... This can kind of fit in a couple of the categories that I have here. Um, but, like, that postmodern jukebox kind of cover, that's not irony. They're genuinely doing these songs for the most part. But, like, there's this wave now of doing... Modern pop songs in like 50s style, or like here's Justin Bieber, but done in the style of the 20s. And that kind of hints at one of what I think is the fault of a lot of pop songs, which is feeling like you're so above a genre that the only way you can experience a pop song is filtering it through a lens that is more palatable to you.
1: Well, I actually think one of the things PMJ are trying to do is they're just trying to, like, I actually love PMJ, I've seen them live, they're phenomenal. Um, they're incredibly
0: talented people. Yeah, hey, You're on an acronym basis with them. You must be close. Yeah.
1: I think one of the things that they're trying to do is they're trying to show people that these old genres of music are discarded for absolutely no reason, and that genre is nearly incidental to song. And I think it's a, that's a really cool experiment in the dexterity of songwriting across genre and the malleability of genre to
0: song. I think that's one I get what you're saying like the problem I I get uh, I don't I actually don't have a problem with them I think they and a lot of these genres have like a patient zero that did it well yeah and then it just keeps happening and most of the time those those copies of a copy of a copy miss the point and they really kind of it's a snowballing effect that screws up everything involved with it from the top down I guess from the bottom up I agree. So yeah, I don't dislike Postmodern Jukebox at all. I think they have some interesting songs, um, but it's this is going to segue into kind of the next they're like a subgenre, I guess, the next major genre of cover song, is I feel like because there's now like an arms race of like shittier versions of them, that they no longer have the ability to just be like, oh shit, you know what? Like Toxic would sound good as like a 40s style big band song. Um, now they just have to be like, oh, there's a new pop song. How are we going to do it? That is where the next you know, genre the the pop goes punk kind of cover, that's where that goes wrong. You can trace this back, I would say, to um, I had to look to see if Say Ferris's Come On Eileen cover or Real Big Fish's Take On Me cover was first, and it was um Save Ferris by a year, or maybe it's a couple of months, but seven, 97 and ninety eight. And I think those are actually pretty decent covers. Because they found songs that would fit into that ska genre. Um, but then every terrible ska band and power pop and punk pop band from like 1998 to 2006 needed to come up with a cover song and they just picked one out of like their dad's record collection and they were like, oh yeah, we're doing this now. real wretched shit in there yeah <laughs> real
1: wretched shit i like that um yeah i think all songs go genre is always kind of a tricky genre a real
0: real a real genre there
1: yeah i i also feel this way about the ironic metal cover and mm-hmm. i feel this way about the and i feel that way about the chill-ass rasta cover by white guys from san francisco
0: and isn't that, the that's kind of what I was saying with Postmodern Jukebox, but I think it's more insidious here where it's taking a song by, like, a young woman and being like, well, oh, are, you know, these people, like, you can't listen to that. You are like punk. Um, so we'll filter it through this lens that's more palatable to you um, when, I mean, really, as we've talked about, the guilty pleasure should not exist. Um, but there's just something kind of, to me especially when we talk about the next category um that's just it's like a little bit gross about that there's something gross about that to me
1: yeah I mean I like I, I I'm not trying to be like any kind of I think all genre cover is 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 that I actually think it's all kind of appropriative um because it is usually some kind of appropriative. It Mm. is usually taking something from someone else in a subculture and turning it into some sort of homogenized version that appeals to someone who normally wouldn't want that genre. Exactly. And I I just think it's all terrible.
0: Let me give a quick shout-out and recommendation. Not a shout-out, because they don't listen to this and they don't know me. Uh, A quick recommendation um, to a band that started off doing this, I think, but has become much less ironic and much more genuine which I think is important in a cover song is genuine um a band called Me First and the Gimme Gimmes who I think they like that was their whole thing they were a super group that did punk covers of not just pop songs all songs um and over time uh, they were never a band who was doing stuff funny like they were never going to cover Barbie girl they were covering songs that they loved that weren't in that genre um and their most recent release is called um are We Not Men? No, We Are Diva, which, I mean, great reference in and of itself. Um, but it's all punk covers celebrating um, these incredibly voiced um, women in music. And they're not doing it with a hint of irony. Um, they're not trying to be funny. They're not mocking it. They are. That shows they do Lady Gaga, and they don't do, like, a single. They do Speechless, which was never—it's it's, it's not a single song. Um, they do Madonna's um, Crazy For You, which— like, sure, it was from a movie, but, like, I, it's not one of the ones I think people remember from Madonna. If you had to pull a Madonna song, it's, like, third tier. Um, they're doing songs that they genuinely love, and they do them really well and with a lot of deference. Um, so I would recommend them, if you like that kind of punk-edge kind of pop stuff, but don't really like the cynicalness of that punk-goes-pop disc- like discography of, like, you know, volume like 35 that they're up to now or whatever, which, stay tuned. I think we'll do an episode on that. Um, but that stuff mostly sucks uh, and as nico said to segue into this my next one um these are pro- these are two categories that can basically go together twee girls with ukuleles and what is this white nonsense Soulless cover of um, a song that just was maybe too cool for some people. They had to make it really saltine cracker flavored.
1: I'm trying not to respond too much because
0: this. uh, You don't have to. You don't have to.
1: I think. I think blanket. Okay. I think putting things in homogenized genres is to the deficit of the song. I think people expressing like i i think uh one of the coolest covers that didn't make my list is India Ari's um heart of the matter by Don Henley.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so i think that's just an incredible cover and it's pretty much a chick with her acoustic guitar doing a really cool arrangement of that song. I think there really is room for 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 cool extrapolation into things like ukulele. I think the idea that it should always be really boring and latte gaze is terrible. Exactly, but I you know I think there are people doing it cool. It's, hell yeah! It's just I, I don't know. I I think
0: yeah. I, I think, mean, like I said, every single one of these is a broad idea of the stuff that goes viral for a second because people like the novelty of it. People can say, "Hey, I remember that." And uh, uh, Joey, I'm not going to call it the Ready Player One of music. I got yelled at on a, on a Cage Club show for using that again. So I'll call it the Game Master Anthony's birthday of music or the Ultimate Showdown of Ultimate Destiny. And when people don't get that reference, they can blame you. I would, like,
1: I would just like to point out that for once, there's animosity between people and it doesn't involve me. This is a welcome change of pace for my
0: life. Um, Nico, if I said the, the name Pomplamoose, would it mean anything to you? You yeah. turn.
1: Do you remember the twenty-first night of September?
0: Yeah, no, I, I love Pomplamoose. <laughs> essentially, the same thing, really. I think they are essentially the exact same thing as that Taylor Swift cover. Do you know why I like Pomplamoose? Because because you have a thing for doe-eyed librarians. Oh, what a really great way to put that. It's true.
1: Um, no, it, it, it is. Uh, okay, no, but I specifically forgive, I forgive Pomplamoose completely. I don't forgive, I enjoy. Because they know what they're doing is deconstructed, Oh, <laughs> real bad boring white people versions okay you brought it back okay yeah they know that they're breaking these songs down into miniature parts of them essentially just highlighting the themes you need to carry the meaning of the song and they're putting together a very purpose i mean i'm not insulting her vocal ability but she does have a very uh flat vocal uh hold on sorry she does have a very flat vocal sound. She, she's not an engaging singer, and she doesn't pretend to be. So um, I don't think—it's not the same thing as Taylor Swift being like, You guys, I just covered September by Fire, Earth, Wind. It's, you know, it's—
0: I don't know, man. Their James Brown cover of I Feel Good is— I, I As a white person, can I say it's the whitest thing I've ever heard?
1: Yeah, I, I I really like it because they're not trying to sell you on the authenticity of what they're doing other than the authenticity of their people recreating these songs in their home for very little money.
0: Now, that – oh, okay. um Oh, I guess we're going to – I guess I'm going to – I don't really want to do this on this episode, but do you know about the Pomplamoose, um Tatrion – was it Patreon or Kickstarter? I think the Kickstarter thing. Do you know about that whole... No. ...kerfuffle that they got in that basically killed them? No, what happened? So Pomplum was kickstarted a tour um, where they were going to go city to city and play their boring music for people. And they raised a lot of money. I think it's upwards of $200,000. After the tour, they wrote this... Well, specifically Jack Conti wrote this blog post about how... Touring is terrible. You can't be a touring band and make money because they somehow managed to lose nine, something like nine thousand dollars on the tour. Um, and he listed, he listed all of the the expenditures that they had, which you know included fucking Lenovo giving them a sponsorship, something that your average touring band doesn't get. Um, they had this giant lighting rig. They brought like eight people on tour with them to do fucking whatever, they were staying in, like, they were putting two people per room in a hotel instead of, like, you know, being a touring band and, like, pinching pennies in a few places, cramming into a room, like, stuff that you're supposed to do. And (laughs) they complained that they couldn't basically live their rock star... They complained that they basically couldn't live their rock star fantasy off of other people funding them to just shut up and play. And fucking, it's just the whiniest, cringeworthiest, doesn't get it kind of mentality. And it makes sense that this guy would later go on to be one of the founders of Patreon because he comes off in every way like one of those Silicon Valley douchebags. Even fucking Amanda Palmer put out a fucking article in response saying like, yo, idiots, be better at everything, which is saying a lot. Um, that's kind of the Cliff's Notes version of it, I'll put up that article in the liner notes, but yeah, they suck. When people cover songs, just have a good time!
1: I always just kind of want to be like, but aren't you a musician and don't you make your music because you mean it and you feel it? And like, so why are you using somebody else's art for a good time when your art matters to you? And um... Right. They're trying to sell you on the authenticity of their version of that art. I don't think Pomplamoose is trying to sell you that they can do uh, that beautiful, powerful... Because I actually do think September is like one of the best constructed songs ever. They're not trying to sell you on on this super funky, awesome soul song that they can do it like every other... They're not trying to tell you on their soulfulness. They're selling you on the construction and process by which they make the music. I yes. meant they're, they're not trying to convince me that they know what
0: soul is. They're just trying to convince me they made this. They didn't make it, though. I think they're selling you someone else's work. I think i think they're taking... But that's a cover. Something. I think they're taking a beautiful sculpture and taking a picture of it and drawing a smiley face on it and then putting on on a shirt and selling you that shirt for $25. The only reason I don't agree is because I do think their version is significantly
1: different. I do think that they are changing the art. Even if it's a reductive spin, it's a spin. They're changing it. It's not the same product. And it's it's not one of those terrible note-for-note covers. I'm left scratching my head which version it is. And I have to really listen for, like, like I... I don't like the David Lee Roth California girls.
0: Yeah, okay. I, mean, I think it's pretty dumb. <laughs> we might argue this whole episode, but we will not argue there.
1: <laughs> I think it's pretty fucking dumb. Um, I don't think that Pomplum Moose was trying to get on the radio with their covers I don't think they were trying to throw their hat in the arena of legitimate crafters of song I think if they had gone on that tour and they got on that stage they'd have got up on that stage and been like this is wild you guys it's the craziest thing we, like, we always said if we were going to do a tour
0: we were going to drink That's Zima good. right on stage they did go on so... tour and they complained that they lost money because they decided to spend $20,000 on hotel rooms I misunderstood part of what you said. I'm so sorry. Um, Yeah, okay. How do I... Let me rewind.
1: Okay. 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 Here's what it is for me. Taylor Swift wants me to take her seriously as an artist. Pomplamoose doesn't.
0: And that's where I can't remotely agree with you, because if they didn't want you to take them seriously, they wouldn't have asked for your money. Oh,
1: no, 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 no. I I don't agree. I think people are selfish. I think they saw an opportunity to make money. I don't think they wanted me to take them seriously. I think they wanted my money. And I think that the internet told them they were worth it because the market is created by demand. So whether or not whether or not we take them seriously as artists, we gave them money. And that's actually something I say to people a lot. Consider who you're giving your money and where you're putting your money. I don't necessarily know that they wanted us to take them seriously as artists. I, it's the fucking Chainsmokers. The Chainsmokers have literally said so, they don't so take music seriously. They literally do it for the pussy. They have said that a million times. They are garbage humans. They don't want us to take them seriously as artists. They just want our money. And that's got to be okay. Pomple and Moose don't want us to take them seriously as artists. They just want our money. And they've
0: proved that by stealing our money.
1: <laughs> and I think that's the point. Like...
0: I mean, when you find out that that guy now owns Patreon, like, it's, to me, a lot, a lot more makes sense. Um, I just, you know, we were just, I think there's something to be said about the fact that their most popular song is a cover of Single Ladies, distilled through that lens of just safety. Oh, certainly. They definitely do a very safe cover. I'm going to check the liner notes for this article about Jack Conte um, whining about how they lit $200,000 on fire living their dreams. The last one, and this one I think goes quickly, this, uh, Soulless Trailer Trash. We're in this age now where every single movie is um, soundtracked by, uh, every single movie trailer is soundtracked by some weepy slow cover of a song that we all recognize. Come
1: with me And you'll be in a world of pure imagination, take a look. It's vaguely got, right? And like, as we're talking, I came up with this. So you need to let me do it because it's a, oh, sure, it's terrible, but like. and then stay Macarena uh,
0: <laughs> it's in a movie about yeah. a
1: stalker spanish lady
0: yeah yeah um i love it i'm yeah Macarena. i well I'm <laughs> yeah. fucking next uh, but you, you know you know where you can draw that line back to Um, Even if it wasn't in the trailer, I'm sure it's like there's like 9000 YouTube videos, like clip shows or like, look, these two characters should be in love videos um, that soundtrack it to it. But um, the Donnie Darko Mad World, I feel like that's kind of patient zero for this. Um, (laughs) And that's that's not any statement on the quality or lack of quality of that song. I think that's where this started. Um, I I wish Green Room would have had a had a uh, a very slow cover of Nazi Punk's Fuck Off. For its trailer, that would have been pretty good. That's amazing. So uh, the more more conversation there, and uh, than I than I expected. But thank you for uh, thanks everyone who uh, helped me kind of come up with that list. If I insulted you uh, because you posted those things, and I said give me your best and worst covers, and I assumed that the best was maybe the worst. Uh, sorry, uh, but you, you gave us some uh, some good stuff. And yes, one day. We will do some Pop Goes Punk compilations because that seems to be something that a lot of people posted, and I have no idea if they are making fun of it or enjoying it. Um, but for as much as we make fun of Taylor Swift, there is a cover of Blank Space that is completely unlistenable. It's gonna be forever, or it's gonna go down in flames. You can tell me when it's over, if the high was what worth the, the- All right, so, Nico, we're going to go through your list of covers. Um, As we do that, I'm going to drop in a couple ones that that I like as well, but I don't have a full list uh, like your your beautiful ass does. Um, So start us off, buddy.
1: So when Chris said to me, we're going to do an episode about um, covers, I said, that's a terrible idea. What? It gives me too much power. (laughs) It gives me the opportunity to express... uh, the things I think about music across a really broad spectrum. Now, you're going to think some of these are, are, I played it safe
0: on some of them, and you're going to think I got a little out there on some others. Some of these are, are songs you have mentioned before, which is nice. Yes. Um, I think that's pretty cool. I tried yeah. to do
1: that. So um, the first five songs I've, I've selected are, are songs that for me represent things that covers did right. They, oh, they, interesting! They, there's something in each one of these that is a cover done right. So, Chris, if you would do me a favor and start listening along.
0: Oh yeah, no, I'm I've i already poked through some of them. I was trying to figure out if you were doing good, bad, good, bad, all good, all bad, because I knew I knew some of these you had said you loved and some of these you said you hated. One of them, I I think could have gone either way so i was i was very i was very interested and we'll talk about that one but yeah yeah go ahead i'm i'm on board i'm i am now i've jesus take the wheel so okay we're gonna start
1: with something i think a good cover needs to do and a good cover needs to give the song different meaning and i'm yeah. gonna tell a story that is a very nico story to tell but shut the fuck up that's why you like me so, when Richard Sherman, with his
0: brother, uh, wrote It's a Small World. Not the Richard Sherman who plays for the Seattle Seahawks.
1: No, the Richard Sherman who plays piano for Disney.
0: Okay. Easy mistake to make, I apologize.
1: Oh, absolutely. When they wrote It's a Small World, they wrote It's a Small World because it was a prayer for peace. It was literally saying, look at all the things we, ha- there's so much that we share, it's time where it's like literally a prayer for peace. Mm-hmm. Um... And instead, they turned it into like, you know, And it's like super fun, but it's a different meaning to the song. Um, a really good song does have dual meanings. A really good song has layers like that that it can it can act on multiple levels. Ooh child, the actual song is is an incredible piece of music. it's It's a song that brings me a lot of joy, the original. And the song actually comes from something their mom used to say to them. They, she used to say, child, things are going to be easier. Things will get brighter. Mm. It, it actually was her being like, hold on. Hold it together. And and the pop one, the pop R&B uh, original is so great. Uh, but it there is something kind of sad about, about it. There is something really sad about the lyrics. And I don't think the pop yeah. version is quite as sad. Uh, this Beth Orton version... Is is plaintive and sad and broken, and it yes. adds a layer that that is contextually in in the meaning of the song, but not highlighted or spotlighted in the original, and it 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 interplays with what is
0: good about the original in a new way, which is it's it's integral. And this, you know, if if you're not paying attention, you you might think that this falls into that soulless trailer trash genre, but like, that's th- th- those aren't catchalls, like, things can things can follow the rules and like break out of that, like, this, like you said it recontextualizes it, it gives a it meaning it's it's not that slow soulless cover of I'm Too Sexy, it is a song that is already meaningful, that changing it adds a new layer and exploring those layers peeling back the, the that onion and trying not to cry, I think that's something that a good cover succeeds at
1: Yeah, and, you know, uh, the original is sung by a group of beautiful harmonizers who are able to knock out these incredible sounds, and everybody is incredible, and uh, Beth Orton always sounds like she's speaking whale and finding Nemo, and it's a very different vocal experience, even. It makes it, like, I don't want to, like, it kind of sounds like... Like a Russian mom, right after uh, Anastasia's family has been deposed, just being like, hey, what's <sighs> have? and like like handling out, like, what do they serve? Like, stew or whatever? Borscht. And like, borscht. Like, and you know, she's handing out their portion of Borschtin, and everybody, that's ended like portion of Okay, I'm done with this. Anyway, powerful song, really good. Moving on, next cover.
0: I want to ask you a question. I I like this song, and I have a feeling you don't. Um, but I don't know. I just think it would be extremely on brand for this show for you not to like this specific song because it would it would dunk on me in a hilarious way. Because I'm about to get your drinks ready. I'm about to trigger the Nico drinking game myself. Um, how do you feel about Tori Amos's cover "Smells Like Teen Spirit"? Because I really like it.
1: <laughs> okay, I have a really interesting relationship with Tori's covers. I don't listen to Tori Amos for her... This is something I actually came to realize over the last few days. I interact with art, like with music, more for the songwriting and the complexity and the technical ability of the music than than the performer necessarily. So when I do love a performer, it's usually a pretty dynamic performer. The thing I love the most about Tori Amos is her songwriting. I really connect with her songwriting.
0: Mm, that makes sense, yeah.
1: Um, so frequently right. her covers leave me really dry. Yeah. I like more
0: when that she... That makes taught. a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I like more when she throws a bridge of another song into her song. Like, if anybody wants to hear a really great example of of her doing that, check out on YouTube the Sessions at 54 version of Caught a Light Sneeze with Hurt by Nine Inch Nails in the outro. It's super terrific, and it's a really great example of her making a cover work in her style. Um, That said, she did a cover album that is my least favorite Tori Amos record. I
0: just... I just fucking knew that you. Of course, the one time I, I'm like, I really like this Tori Amos song, even though it's not Tori Amos song. I just, I just, I had a feeling that you'd just be like, "Shut the fuck up." Here's why. No, no,
1: it's good. It's good, but it's not like the original isn't even close to my favorite um, Nirvana song. But I will say what mm. her version highlights is the lyrical nature of the music. I actually think her piano interpretation of the music is a really dynamic interpretation of it. Um, mm-hmm. It's really good. shes I've seen her do it live a few times. It's, it's really terrific. I yeah.
0: Mean,
1: you know, I've seen her a million times. That helps.
0: Our next on your list is a song that you have talked about on this show before. But remind people. This is my favorite male vocal performance of all time. Thank you
1: very much. <laughs> uh, NSYNC's Sailing is a cover of Christopher Cross's Sailing. It is a really tremendous piece of music. Um, I think J.C. Chazé has like the most beautiful voice Ever. His like uh his collaboration with Let's Do the Nico Drinking Game, hmm. his collaboration with BT, hey. um <laughs> uh Force of Gravity is it the chorus of that song with the lyrics are super kind of like beautiful but kind of emo, kinda of silly. Do you cry your eyes to sleep? Is it peace you seek at night when your body's weak? It's a little, you know, two thousands aughts EDM, but it's it's super good. And his vocal performance on it is devastating Mm. and this is the first time i heard jc chazé perform it like i actually when he crescendos at the end of the song i cry actually um it's 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 a bit of music that makes me so emotional i cry uh i think he really what he does here is he lends a quality thanks to his voice that only he can lend i was talking to my husband today about how much i love the technical like I think Peter Gabriel's sledgehammer is one of the greatest pieces of music ever recorded. Fuck yeah. And I think the technical quality of it is 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 stunning. But one of the best things about that song is what he can do naturally with his voice that is Peter Gabriel when he does that AROUND the bend mm. bit. It's it's you feel it in your throat and like in your stomach and your heart and when he does anything when Peter Gabriel sings anything, you feel it. you know what I mean when you hear Salisbury yeah. Hill, it's because his voice does that ha ha and you're like you feel it and it's
0: just it's so good. and there's a reason John Cusack holds up uh, holds up in your eyes on that on that boom box and say anything, man, that song works. it's a reason it's not that in cherry pie,
1: so you know what I mean instead. <laughs> so like, I, I do genuinely feel when an artist has a voice that sits in a specific place and they're able to bring something really beautiful and unique to the song, it's a really important thing. And I, I think that actually is a gift. As an artist, one of the greatest joys I've ever known is writing art for people whose voices I love. I, I think there's something really romantic about that. It, it's, a, it's a sort of intimacy as a songwriter. That is that's the only way I've ever known how to get it. Or uh, when I've had the luxury of my my, my words being acted. Or uh, every month, not to like not to be like pick up my comic book Kid Riot, but, um, no, but every month but pick it up. when oh, but you really should. It's so good. Um, but when I when I. And I'm not try to be that guy, but oh my god! So my my collaborator Taryn and I have been coming up with this story, um, big pieces of it for like six, seven years in different forms, and you know we've been really putting it together the last four. And when we get to like these moments that we always talked about wanting to hit in our storytelling, and like I see it visualized, it's 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 an intimacy that's really hard to express outside of creativity. And there are times when an artist is able to do that and create something really special where you can imagine them smiling singing that song, and it just fills you it's the, it's the feeling we discussed during destiny child's emotion mm. um there's there's something it's listening to Sia perform diamonds. Sia wrote diamonds for Rihanna and then played it live a few times. And listening to Sia perform her own song, Diamonds, is is incredibly powerful. Um, and you know, sometimes it is the vocalist that can change the song and I love sailing by Chris Cross. by uh, Christopher Cross not by Chris Cross. <laughs> Sail, I'm gonna make you wanna jump, jump. Right off the boat. And um so that's that's this song to me. It's a really stunning vocal performance.
0: Well you've just you've just built in your segue, so Because the next song is to you.
1: Oh, I have. So, okay. I'm not that guy who's like, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but sometimes when an artist you loved for a really long time and you used to have to beg people to listen to and give a chance to, all of a sudden becomes big and there's a shift in their sound anyway. And you no longer connect with it. You inherently sound like the world's biggest hipster poser loser for being like, I'm. I'm kind of not into it.
0: I liked them before they were big. Yeah. But like it has nothing to do with them getting big. Like, oh my god, it's just, you know, they changed. Um, there's no, there's no getting around it. It I understand, but yes, you're right.
1: Yeah, I um I really love I really love Sia's early work. But I stopped inter... I stopped loving her work. Like, I loved Chandelier. I loved Elastic Heart. I really didn't care for the rest of that record. Didn't love the record after it. Uh, like, I, oh, what was that song that I really liked? The Greatest was pretty cool. But I just... I haven't With been... With Kendrick? A- yeah. Yeah. I just haven't been crazy about her music in a really long time. But there was a time where her, her music was Bonker, Banana Pants, Incredible, World Smashing and uh this record we are born is like a pinnacle record for her it is it is one of the most perfect pieces of hard to describe dance pop
0: um yeah if if we didn't have such a uh fucking giant heart on for emotion like we'd probably talk more regularly about how like body talk and we are born are like the greatest pop albums of the last 20 years
1: yeah um i think we are born is is a stunning achievement in musical uh, brilliance and now to to touch on something else i like sailing i like ooh child this is the first cover that i'm talking about that i had a very specific relationship with Mm. oh father by madonna Uh, i like many gay men who grew up with fathers who desperately wanted to understand them i had a tricky relationship with my dad growing up you know even if you don't get along with your father straight fathers are able to pass on to their straight sons inherent things that they're going to need to know about manhood whether or not the father is capable and chooses to or not is not part of the discussion i'm trying to make though i do know many straight men whose straight fathers did let them down in preparing them for life but there are things about gay culture that can be hard and are tricky and you don't have an older male figure built in to show them to you Mm. the way straight counterparts do now many of us are very lucky I had an incredible gentleman named Chad who took excellent care of me for a very long time until I got my gay feet and um uh, we love our boyfriend Jonah he's uh 21 and we super love trying to help him navigate this crazy you know life thing uh he's super wonderful hey Jonah um oh father because Madonna was huge for me uh, growing up I saw the Drowned World tour so excellent I went with my cousin Lisa she was the first person uh, in my family I came out to after my sister because I told my sister everything as I thought of it um, Oh Father was a piece of music that very much affected me at a very important part in my life It was always interesting that it was one of the most underappreciated Madonna songs. It's uh, one of the few Madonna songs that had a music video that uh, did not chart very high. The Madonna Mm -hmm. version is another song that is very important to me. But this Sia cover is one of the realest I've ever... I've never made a, uh never made a secret on this show that I suffer from mental disorder, uh mental illness, whatever. It's okay, it's cool. Dude, everybody's got stuff, you know what I mean? Like you might have neuropathy in your feet, you might have bipolar disorder. One doesn't one's not less okay than the
0: other. Just get the right treatment and make sure you stay healthy. Um I don't think anyone's ever been on this podcast that had okay brains. Right? <laughs> it's like a requirement. <laughs> your
1: brains are all melty.
0: And um certainly a requirement for hosting. That is that is
1: Yeah, you need to be severely damaged and um, this, like the first time I really interacted with the Sia cover of Oh Father, I was genuinely not okay Mm -hmm. and it, it, it does something that I think an important, and a cover should do and one of those things is I believe Sia when she sings this felt the way I feel listening to her she's able to convey to me what I believe she's feeling this isn't just an emotive cover this is her reflecting on a piece of art we both know this is Sia sharing her experience of Oh Father with me I think one of the things that lends to that is the stylistic ways she makes this a Sia song this is so one of the things that I love about Sia is Sia sings like an asshole and (laughs) Um, sings like an asshole is a term I use for anyone who sings like an asshole. Now it's, (laughs) it's usually Sia and Rihanna. They're the most guilty of it. Uh, Rihanna sings diamond and, um, diamond, diamond. Yeah. That she says it like Melania Trump means she sings it like an asshole diamond.
0: So She she sings it like a sitar would play it.
1: She sings it like, yeah, no, like somebody's punching a sitar. I really don't disagree. Um, But, like, there are two people who frequently sing like assholes. When she sings like an asshole on this, it's... You can, like, seriously feel her choke back the tears. And this song is about learning to forgive your father uh, for the things he can't help. You know, no father asks for a gay son. Not that any father has a... Not that every father has a problem with it, but nobody asks for it nobody says disconnect me from my child in this way nobody says isolate my child uh from me emotionally in a way that i will never be able to compensate for nobody says remove my presence as his guide in this capacity you know one of the basic elements that a patriarch is supposed to play in a familial unit is is to teach other Alphas, other males, other other masculine figures, whatever whatever your culture, your tribe chooses, you know, alphas. Whether it's genderless, you know, however it is, it, it's supposed to teach them sh- how to be strong and and how to be alpha man, dominant, whatever right. you need to be. It's culturally different for a straight man than it is for a gay man. There's things that my father just can't warn me about. There's there's just very few straight fathers can talk to their sons about the dangers of bottoming.
0: It was a weird conversation when my dad brought it up.
1: Yeah. You know, and like it's because we still call it the birds and the bees, even though for some young men, it should be the bees and the bees. Bees bees, So point of my story. Oh Father is a really powerful song and even though I know Sia does not have the experience of being a young gay man trying to connect to her father and I know that is not what Madonna experienced when she wrote the song Sia is able to make a connection to me emotionally through her own experience with the song that helps me to understand her in a way that makes me feel she understands me and in a way that brings a piece of art across two different people
0: and that makes it the most this show cover you could have possibly brought up and thank you for that. I do what I can. These next two are the ones that I wasn't sure if they were... It was screwing up my list. It was like, is this good column or bad column? I wasn't sure. You, I, I never know what you do like, what you don't like. So tell me about, tell me about these, these next two.
1: I think Fell in Love with a Girl by The White Stripes is like literally the most annoying piece of music of all time. <laughs> you remember how we were like, every single <sighs> thing about Hey Ya comes together to form the coolest song ever? And... I kind of feel like, yeah. um, You know what? Do you know what I think? I think "fell in love with the girl" by the White Stripes is blenders slowly creeping up your up all of your extremities. Like it's like five little blenders on each one of your fingers, five little blenders on your toes, a blender on your dick, a blender on each ball, (laughs) a blender on every fucking strand of hair on your body. I like. I can't even explain, because it just sounds like crunching noise nonsense. It sounds like a far-away construction site, and there's an ambulance between you two. It just (laughs) sounds like somebody is punching a keyboard that has been programmed to only sound like gunshots it's just a horrible horrible song it sounds like bad breaks on an 85 pontiac it is just a bad song and i think this cover is pretty cool i think what's really cool is not only does she put her own version on this uh this is sort of my catch-all for pmj songs um sort
0: of like Mm, yeah it's it's style. It's a stylistic. Uh, it's a major stylistic diversion for sure.
1: Exactly. It's a complete change in the in the the like the. Cause remember, I was like, oh, you know, uh, Ooh Child recontextualizes the song. Yeah. Um, Joss Stone literally retextualizes the song. She significantly changes it, and I know we both agree that changing the gender is a stupid thing. Yeah. I actually think it's. I would have loved if she had done "Fell in Love with a Girl" and done it really sexy and sultry, but unfortunately, I don't think 1999 would have allowed that. Um, and I don't think they would have like whenever this came out. I think it was like 2000, maybe. I don't think they would
0: have let uh, three. her sex. 2003. It's not the biggest. It's not the biggest sin for sure.
1: I think she gives a great performance. I think it's produced really expertly. It is. Yeah, this song just it is the catch-all for PMJ songs. Um, it's it's really cool. I like any time that it's believable, you know, make me believe that you think this song works in this genre and I'll pretty much follow you.
0: And I, I have an example of that I'd love to throw oh, in. Oh, throw and it, it's, throw it, throw it. It's, it's, it's weird I'm going to bring this up because I've, I've talked a lot on the show, not a lot, uh, I've brought up on this show, it's come up, little how I think this band fucking sucks because I think the early 2000s are just the dredges of music in the time that I've been alive, um, though now is certainly giving it a good run for the money. An interesting retextualization of a song that works in a very different way is Limp Bizkit's cover of "Faith." I think the original song is fantastic. I think the the broey fart rock whiny guy singing those lyrics is very funny, and I think they did a, a pretty decent job composing a cover that probably shouldn't exist um, for a band that probably never should have existed to begin with. I um, I don't you disagree. All better for it. I don't disagree at all. It works. Yeah. And then it's really funny because their cover of Behind Blue Eyes is extremely in the same genre and it fucking sucks and is one of the worst things I've ever heard. Um, I will add covers of Who songs. I didn't intend this, but it's going to be a running theme throughout my recommendations throughout the rest of the show. Um, you also have on here Adele's Love Song, which is specifically the one I was not sure if you were going to love it or hate it.
1: I can actually tell you what I think is super great about Love Song.
0: It's certainly better than 311's version. We can start with that.
1: Yeah, I think 311's version is, I just like white white guys, white guys, no dreads. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, they really are a band full of guys with dreadlocks who just don't have the dreadlocks. Don't get
1: me wrong. I would... and I don't care. I don't care who's listening to this. I really
0: don't. I would fillet the shit out of a young Nick Hexum. Oh, my God. When that guy was... His name is Nick... His name is Nick Hexum. He sounds like a magic card. <laughs> uh, and he's also... He's also
1: the one who sings like this. Um... As opposed to, the, the one who sings like this, because he's so annoying. <laughs> the one who sounds like Jermaine Dupree is so fucking funny.
0: <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so the reason this song... this com- I really, I've always liked this cover, but I, I kind of forget about it a lot.
1: The reason this cover sticks out in good. my mind as a really good cover is uh, I love stripped-down covers. I, mm-hmm. I really like candlelight versions of songs. Um, oh that's a good
0: description for it. Yeah. That's almost that's as good as latte gaze, my friend. <laughs> that's candlelight is actually the term for it. Oh, well, piss, fuck you then.
1: Either like an acoustic guitar or like a piano version of a song is called a candlelight version. Oh, okay. And it's I think this is just such a tremendous candlelight version. Um, I again, I I've said it a million times. Adele could sing me anything. Uh, I I just can't ever I'll never get over her fucking voice my husband and I stood there at, at the head of the altar holding hands as we were serenaded with one and only by Adele because what Adele has to say is love and is she so great, and Adele serenaded us at everyone. I'm kidding it was my sister Jess and our incredible friend Lindsay. Uh, the two of them sang the hell out of that song. It was so powerful, it's so amazing yeah Adele's love song is tremendous uh I think it's just a really great stripped down cover that 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 yeah. that says everything it needs to in as little as it can.
0: I didn't know two of these songs on this on this back end of yours existed um I know you said you were going to try to inflict deep hurting on me. <laughs>
1: Okay, have you listened these, to the these, All Saints Under the Bridge yet?
0: I These first two on this list are deep hurting for sure. This
1: is All Saints, who were another manufactured uh, Spice Girls type band
0: in England. And they came right after the Halloween Girls. <laughs> That's such a stupid. <laughs> thing. I I don't know. Batman's Batman's here to punch me in the face for suddenly becoming Calendar Man for some reason. you are so fucking stupid. I don't, I don't even know. Okay. I'm so sorry. Okay. Oh god, this song. So it's not okay, good. Sorry.
1: So anyway, um, so this sounds like what would happen if you threw the Spice Girls and Aaliyah. And good music in a blender?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge Chili Peppers fan, but I think this song's pretty unimpeachable.
1: Okay, wait, ready? So then... The, it's so, like... You have to do, like, like a little two-step to it. <laughs> like, side to side, with your shoulders bouncing and looking really dramatic dead on at the camera. Uh, for those of you who are too lazy to listen along that's embarrassing Uh, we're just asking you to click a few buttons I know people who will spend 40 minutes clicking around for the perfect porn working very hard to keep that erection the entire time and they won't click to find a video to listen along unacceptable anyway
0: so here's a sin that I didn't mention you know we've said changing the pronouns is kind of just unnecessary changing the lyrics or adding lyrics unforgivable yeah. I, I I I think
1: it's so bad. This is so much worse than I remember. Oh my
0: god. It's, it's really
1: is, really not good. Oh my god, this is a box. Oh my god, this is a box oh
0: execution in slow motion. Oh my god. So I just I just don't understand. It's like it's like when you watch a comedy movie And it's just like, you're watching, and you're like, this isn't funny. This is, in fact, painfully unfunny. It's like, how do people sit there and watch the dailies and, and like, laugh and pat themselves on the back and be like, we're doing it. We're doing it, guys. We're going to make people laugh with this one. It's like, how are you in the studio, and you're listening back to this, and you're like, yeah, this is something people should hear. (laughs) It's like, if you're you're unlucky
1: enough to be in the white spinoff of Big Mama House, (laughs) White Granny's Hut. All
0: right, yeah, I mean, I'm done. I'm good to be done with this. (laughs) Yeah. I don't remember that madonna covered american pie
1: but
0: and old boys whiskey so and so and i know why I don't remember that.
1: Yeah, this was for the next best thing soundtrack. It was a terrible film, and not only was it a terrible film, um, it was unfortunately like the immediate follow up to Ray of Light, which was a creative masterpiece. It it she had a lot of credibility. She said that this religion thing wasn't just a fad for her. She really believed in Kabbalah and the power of religion is healing and forgiveness. Then. Here she started dancing around in this little tank top to American Pie. It's not just ridiculous that she covered this. She cut, like, three-fourths of the lyrics. It is. It's like a seven-minute song. Um The Sin in All Saints cover of... um under the bridge was the song had great meaning. And that is, that is, that is a true song about a champion overcoming pain and adversity and struggle. And I, by that mean both Anthony Kiedis and LA and it's powerful. And the version by all saints is definitely a sixth grade choir. Um, from, yeah, that's uh, a great description of it from a suburb singing about how hard it is to be white. Uh, the sin here is Again, this is a song with some textual value, some power, but if nothing else, this song was like a seven-minute song, and if you weren't going to cover the whole song, don't fucking cover it. Agreed. Just don't cover half a
0: song. Cover a whole song. There's a difference between making a a song your song and, and completely removing the previous author. It'd be like if I went into Fight Club... And control left uh, Tyler Durden and replace it with my name. Like that's embarrassing, and it's like despite uh, no, not counting it being intellectually dishonest and all of this other stuff. But like, it's just like this is a fan fiction version of American Pie.
1: And you know, it's it's even like it's sloppy. It's it's sloppy is what it is. And and here's sort of like I think Madonna f- mistakenly believed she was a ubiquitous enough creature that at the Level of fame and critical acclaim she had at this point in her career, she could do this. She could maneuver this. I I believe she messed up. I do not think this is good. What year is this? Two thousand, two thousand two, two thousand oh, okay. two, two thousand two. Yeah, because it's after Ray of Light, and Ray of Light was ninety
0: nine seven. Oh wow, really? Ninety eight. Wow, they were they were still they were still pumping out singles. For that album for a long time, then. Which yeah. makes sense. Um,
1: I think it was 97. Let me look it up to be safe. I don't want to... A uh, record by Madonna released February 1998. My bad. It was released February 1998.
0: Oh, we split the difference. We both get there.
1: Um, Frozen was released February of 1998. Ray of Light, the single, May of 98. It had a single as late as March of 99.
0: And this... So this is a... Sorry, this this is post 9-11. Yes American pie right I, I think I think that is I think that adds a cynical level to this. The video is very look look at look at what America is. here's some American flags um, here's all the people from like flyover states america the 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 real Americans um you know someone like fucking bench peer would probably say I, I feel like I know what she's doing here and in the same way you're saying it's a massive misstep. I agree. But more from a subtextual way than a musical way.
1: Yeah, I think. If you know what I'm saying? Well, so part of what the uh, next best thing is discussing is like a gay man helping a woman father a baby. It's a statement on modern happiness not needing to be directly linked to the idea of the nuclear family. Now, it's not that the movie bombed because its subject matter was complicated, the movie bombed because it was a bad movie with bad acting and bad writing. Uh, and Because one of the things about American Pie is We think of this song as like, you know ah, As essential as American Pie, but the song is saying American The song is literally, bye bye Miss American Pie The levee is dry right. Everyone's dead No one's happy Music's gone, no one goes bowling Everyone's dying of the black lung At the factory And no one can get a job This song is literally, all good things in America are dead And all And
0: we all think of it as the most American song ever. It's that fucking, it's a musical version of that, uh, no hope, no jobs meme. (laughs) I think Madonna was trying to make a statement
1: that Madonna is as ubiquitous as American Pie. And she's in this movie Mm. about confronting the idea of the current normal. And Madonna has always set out to be ironic and challenging. I think this song is neither ironic nor challenging. I think it is basic. And I think it is clumsy. And I think it is a... I remember very clearly, a cover that didn't make this list that is a hugely formative cover for me is you ever get into something and then find out there's something much bigger behind it and now you're more to that other thing? Yeah, drugs. Oh, God. Drugs are the best. God, I love drugs. Oh, um, my husband got into... My husband super loves, you know, gay shit. And so he discovered Torchwood. And then through Torchwood, he discovered Doctor Who now he kind of thinks torchwood is that disgustingly bad show that he got into to find doctor who and now he loves doctor who yay um when i was a kid i heard alana davis perform uh, alana davis had a music video for 32 flavors and i thought 32 flavors was amazing and I thought it was so cool. This amazing little song. uh, I thought it was really challenging and interesting. And then I discovered it was a cover of Ani DeFranco's 32 Flavors. Mm -hmm. I then got Ani DeFranco's 32 Uh. Flavors and discovered that the chorus of Alana Davis's 32 Flavors didn't exist in the Ani DeFranco version. They are nearly unrecognizable songs. The Ani DeFranco version is six-something minutes with like a two-minute outro, and has no chorus. The Alana Davis version is like three and a half minutes, has a chorus, mm. no outro. Um, <clears throat> they are completely unrelated pieces of music other than having some lyrics and melody in common.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but I, I bring this up because Ani DeFranco was so fucking furious at the cover of 32 Flavors and how bad she thought it was but she evidently had signed away that she had no control over the final product kind of thing that she then said she was never going to license her music to a big record label ever again I remember specifically there was a review for Tori Amos's Strange Little Girls and it was Tori Amos does things to other artists songs she herself would not appreciate having done to her own music (laughs) and I remembered thinking that was the most biting thing I'd ever read But it kind of sticks out with me. American Pie is so much more than a song about its narrative. It's a song that is about something much deeper and something much realer. And I actually think for many people, Madonna's Like a Prayer is the same thing. If for no other reason, the music video does depict an interracial relationship through faith and it was a very touchy subject matter at the time but there are many people who said it was their first introduction in their home to an interracial kiss and mm. it that's yeah. that's yeah. daring for the late 80s and there were burning crosses and a woman in underwear dancing in front of them singing about how a man's touch is like a prayer and is it black jesus too yeah yeah i believe if somebody did like? um I'm trying to think about the right way to phrase it. I guess like, beep, pop, 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 pop. When you call my name, it's like a prayer. Yeah, like she'd kill them. Yeah, yeah. she would lit. Like that would never happen. She would not be okay with it. If she made like this, sounds to me like a fucking Calliope. This sounds to me like carnival music.
0: That ties in really well with one of these other songs I have on my list, which is. This is such a stupid sentence. Hillary Duff's cover of the Who's My Generation?
1: not I get Why don't you I literally don't even understand that's like unspeakable
0: words white supremacists running for office in 2018 i just don't understand it It, she changes the lyrics of the song first she gets rid of all the stuttering which is like a good piece of storytelling in, in the actual version of that song um and also changes the lyric to hope i don't die before i get old and i mean if you just want to miss the point of an entire song there it is in two words just just that little tweak um uh it's in my opinion, probably one of the worst covers I've ever heard. Um, but you are certainly giving... This list is certainly giving me um, a run for my money. Next
1: next horrific experience. Take me to hell. We're going to
0: hell tonight. I already talked at length about why I hate this song, how much I hate this song, what sucks about this song. Someone else brought this up as one of their least favorite covers. Shoutouts to Rob um, for for calling it. It's just a terrible piece of music It's uh, The Counting Crows featuring Vanessa Carlton's
1: Big Yellow Taxi It's just This is kind of like a catch-all for Every bad cover in the aughts That thought that because it was covering something From the 60s or 70s It was instantly art
0: I call this Shrek
1: covers Yeah, I get that Uh, You know, Mandy Moore did an entire record Of these kinds of covers And the entire record is great And I mean that unironically you know, these can be done well. She did Help Me by Joni Mitchell instead of Big Yellow Taxi.
0: So, like... She did, uh, cover of Umbrella. It's not very good. But no, the Umbrella I'm cover glad is pretty boring. I'm glad that she can do some good stuff. So I don't need to keep bashing this song. It's bad. You're supposed to drink when you praise Mariah Carey, I feel like. Not not whatever's about to happen here, but I think, I think you have to drink for the Nico drinking game. Mariah Carey's Open Arms? Oh
1: Sometimes an artist thinks I love this song This is a good song I want to show everybody How when I am in my car And I had a bad day And I'm stuck in traffic On the way to my mansion I put on Steve Perry And I blast Journey With the top (laughs) down And I sing really loudly So everybody around me In their cars Looks over at me Realizes it's Mariah Carey And claps
0: (laughs) That is this cover it's, it definitely fails the Jeff Goldblum test.
1: It's, it's, it's boring. It's boring and dull. It's boring and dull. And if I felt sailing was enhanced by JC's voice adding a new layer to the song, I feel Mariah Carey wasting her talents on, an, on, on another talented singer's song is silly. Mariah Carey, you covered I'll Be There perfectly.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. I forgot about that. That is a really good cover.
1: She's really talented when it comes to covers or was at one point. Uh her cover of this, her cover of I Wanna Know What Love Is, her cover uh No, but like then she also had her cover of Um I Still Believe. Yeah. That was great. Fantastic. Her cover of Do You Know Where You're Going To? Terrible. Um it, you know, there's times where her voice just doesn't add much.
0: You have to explain this last one to me. Really? Okay. i <laughs>
1: MacArthur Park is a horrible piece of music. MacArthur Park is melting in the dark. Okay? I need people to understand. I actually think MacArthur Park is a really bad piece
0: of music um, in general. Every version of it. Every version of it is bad. But but it's about... It's an important song. Someone left the cake out in the rain.
1: I don't know if I can take it because it took so long to bake it. And I'll never have that recipe again. Oh, no. Ah, I think it's a really bad
0: song. I literally think it is a bad song. One of the few covers that had um, that was improved. Most of Weird Al's parodies are like sideways or downward steps. Weird Al covering this and turning it into Jurassic Park elevated this song significantly.
1: Yeah. uh, Jurassic Park is frightening in the dark. So, 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 do you like this cover or not? Because it's certainly better. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Let me be clear. Every version of MacArthur Park is garbage. <laughs> there is no good version of MacArthur Park. No one has ever gotten up in the morning and said, Today, I'm going to commit my time to recording MacArthur Park. It's And, and it's been a good thing. It's the same thing with Gloomy Sunday. There are just some songs that are so fucking horrible in the first fucking place i mean we're talking horrible we are talking a hundred percent bad like it's really horrible if you accidentally (laughs) see your grandmother naked you don't need to like keep doing it by accident over and over and that's what covering MacArthur park and gloomy sunday are they're subjecting yourself to naked grandma (laughs) over and over. And no offense to anybody into G-MILFs. But, like, I can't. I can't. If it's a bad song in the first place, no matter how much Donna Summer you put into it, it's a bad song in the end, right? There's there's this idea that big, epic songs are automatically great and powerful.
0: And you know what? That worked for Cher in the 70s. I believe that's what they're calling the... um... The Imagine Dragons technique these days? Yeah, I just think it's a dreadful. It, it's a stupid
1: thing to cover a bad song. It's a stupid thing to cover a bad song. Big, <laughs> big. I mean, this 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 song is bad, but it was big for some reason. Another one that I I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself out there and I'm gonna I'm gonna let myself get slapped, but like actually think um, Eric Carbon's all by myself is a really dreadful piece of
0: music. I think it is. I don't think that's that contentious.
1: I think any song that is like the theme song to an incels YouTube playlist is (laughs) completely unacceptable. Like All Out of Love is up there in terms of So Bad You Should Be Embarrassed. I think Don't Cry Out Loud, So Bad You Should Be Embarrassed. I think MacArthur Park, So Bad You Should Be Embarrassed. And for some reason. This song gets covered a lot. Yesterday, Yesterday by the Beatles is not a great piece of music, and... That is the most
0: covered song of all time, right? It's one of them, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard a cover of that. Are they talking about, like, wedding bands? Like, what, what, what... Have you ever actually heard a recorded cover of that song? I mean, I can go look one up right now, but No, but I've heard a ton of covers of Blackbird. I don't think there's, like, a famous cover of it. Sure. But but for Yesterday to be the most covered song of all time? Like, I... I where Yeah, um it's
1: really I, I don't understand. I don't understand. But anytime somebody covers a song that's bad in the first place, uh and I'm gonna let you look this up, when Lincoln Park was at their biggest early on, there was like a hybrid theory three disc special edition that led like every version of every song. And the the, the final track bonus okay. track was this like acoustic chicks, very stripped down home edition of everything you say to me, or to one step
0: closer, right? And it's very
1: takes me one step closer to the edge, and I'm
0: about to break. And it's that's going to be in the trailer for the new rock movie. And it's inexplicably the last track on this, on um,
1: and it, like a semi official Linkin Park record. I mean, I even like Linkin Park, but in retrospect, I don't get that song. You know what I mean? Okay. I don't think when you look back on one step closer you're like, Wow, what a really great piece of music. That's an
0: example of where the
1: original It's almost more of a meme at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like in Creed still. Oh my god.
0: Well thank you for that list. It was it it it, it was full of ups and downs. Um <laughs> I wanna very quickly uh just just mention one other cover, uh while we're while we're in the realm of deep hurting that came out I think within the last year and people liked for some reason, and I'd just like to tell you that if you, if you like this cover, uh you know it's okay to like stuff. We that's that's the motto of the show. It's okay to like things, but you're wrong. <laughs> that that sound of silence cover by Disturbed. Yeah,
1: no, I considered putting that on my list of things you should feel bad about. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you.
0: Left no.
1: No. No. No.
0: I will recommend to people, if you're looking for, if you're in, in that, like, if you like that pop-goes-punk stuff or whatever, and you're like, boy, I wish like there was something like that these days, but like, I don't really like power pop anymore, um, check out AV Club's Undercover. They've been doing it for, like, eight years now, and the gimmick behind it is that they get a bunch of bands that are going to come in and, uh, and do a cover song. And the thing is that they have a list that was put together by, um, by readers and fans, and they send that list out in order of people who are coming in, and then once the song is off, it's off. So, like, if you're, like, one of the last bands, um, you might get stuck, like, being uh, Juju covering Sharp-Dressed Man, which really doesn't work, but, you know, they, they have fun with it. You often get a lot of really interesting stuff in there. Um, everyone, for the most part, likes the songs that they're doing. They're different but recognizable. Very fun. A lot of these bands end up working them into, into live sets. Um, Screaming Females' cover of um, Shake It Off and uh, what they do before that. The Sheryl Crow's uh, If It Makes You Happy both work their way into, like, actual sets of theirs and are both extremely fucking good. Um, this year has, just, has been the best they've ever done. Though ironically, some band does a really terrible cover of Carly Rae's Runaway With Me, uh, which made me very sad. But you've got an incredible cover of Steal My Sunshine by Charlie Bliss. Um, I really fucking hate that Len song, uh, but they, they crush it. Um, there's a really great cover of Rod Stewart's Young Turks in there. Um, yeah, exactly. There's a good cover of Heaven is a Place on Earth. Even a good cover of Total Eclipse of the Heart, which I would have said is probably uncoverable. Um, so it's something that if if you're into covers, check out AV Club's Undercover. We'll probably close with one of those, maybe the Charlie Bliss cover, because I really hate Steal My Sunshine, but it's a really, really fucking good song. I also, just one more recommendation. I really love Miley Cyrus's cover of Jolene. I didn't find a place to stick that in anywhere, but it, it is fantastic. I mean, the original Jolene is fantastic, and Dolly Parton, it, it, I feel like people don't know who Dolly Parton is. Like They think, they think of is this kind of joke, like, read up about Dolly Parton. She is an angel if there ever was one. She is so fucking pure. Like, that woman is incredible. Even the drunk history where it talks about her manager and how that guy was a piece of shit and do- Dolly Parton was always just like, it's okay, I'll always love you. I'll do anything you ever need. Uh, that woman's amazing. And uh, Miley Cyrus's cover of that is fan-fucking-tastic. Check our liner notes on cageclub.me on this episode to hear a lot of this stuff or at least find links to it. Uh, thank you for putting that list together, Nico. It-
1: I really uh, just wanted to do what I could to put together uh, the the best list I could.
0: And you have both failed spectacularly and succeeded in ways you could never understand.
1: I know, right? I am at all times an exciting letdown. Thank you so much for listening to my list, brother.
0: Yeah, Nico, where can people find you?
1: You should check out the brand new interface for uh, Kid Riot over at KidRiotComics.com. You can check me out on Instagram at NicoVasilo, N-I-C-O-V-A-S-I-L-O. It's a lot of fun. It's like consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel, all the way through. It's just, it's a page-turner. You can check me out on Facebook, which is a lot like
0: my Instagram, plus a whole lot more politics, and I'm a bleeding-heart liberal. I can't believe we only dipped our toe into turning podcast about pop music into politics this episode we we just got very slight yeah i mean uh we, we showing self-restraint
1: you know i'm just uh i'm just chilling in the background just being like bob mueller
0: bob mueller bob mueller <laughs> i'm just cheering my buddy bob on i well in like a month there won't be an internet so i mean we got to get it in while we can yikes yeah and i'm at chris podcasts on the Twitter. Now and again, cast at gmail.com. Send your questions in about anything or add to the discussion about your favorite or least favorite cover songs. cageclub.me for all kinds of podcasty goodness from our friends. I will be on an episode about Arrested Development in the not too distant future. And uh, we we talk about the incredible Mr. F arc with Charlize Theron. And how excited are you for a season five? I am out of my gourd. Yeah, I, uh, fuck all the haters of, uh, of bringing that show back again. I'm super hyped and I'm sure we'll end up talking about it on this show. somehow. we'll, we'll worm it in there
1: because it comes back better. It comes back
0: better each time. So, and until the next time where we are on now volume 18 question mark, um, that sounds right now volume 18, we will catch you on the flip side.